ವಂದೇಶಿ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದೋ ಗುರುರಾಯ ಪುಷ್ಪಂತೋಚಿತ್ರೋಸಂದೋತುಮುನುಧೋ ದಿವ್ಯಾಂದಾರಣ್ಯಕಲ್ಪದುರ್ಮಾಧ್ರತ್ನಾಗರ ಸಿಂಹಾಸನಸ್ತೋ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ರಾಧಶಿಲಗೋವಿಂದೇವೋ ಪ್ರಸ್ತಾಲಿವಿಸೇವ್ಯಮನುಸ್ಮರಾಮಿ ಶ್ರೀಮನ್ರಾಸರಸಾರಂಭಿ ವಂಶಿಭತ ತಥಸ್ಥಿತ ಕರ್ಷನ್ವೇನುಸನಯಗೋಪಿ ಗೋಪಿನಾಥ ಶ್ರೀಯಸ್ತು ತಪ್ತಕಂಚಾನಗೌರಂಗೀ ರಾಧೇ ಬೃಂದಾಧನೀಶ್ವರಿ ಪಶುಭಾನುಸುತೆ ದೇವಿ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿ ಪ್ರಿಯೆ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿ ಪ್ರಿಯೆ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರಿ ವೈಷ್ಣವ ಗುರು ಪರಂಪರಾಕಿ ಸೊ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ವೆರಿ ಮಚ್ ಫಾರ್ ದಟ್ ಇಂಟ್ರೊಡಕ್ಷನ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ ಆಪರ್ಚುನಿಟಿ ಟು ವಿಸಿಟ್ ವಿತ್ ಆಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಯು ಸಿಟ್ ವಿತ್ ಆಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಯು and um i'll try to hear your hearts and and speak something hopefully that um will uh touch them we have a mixed audience of persons who are unfamiliar with our particular tradition although i assume spiritually minded to a large extent and uh and then there are those who are uh some who will accompany me there well acquainted so I'll try to speak in a way that too high for some too low for others so you have to be a little patient sometimes if it's too low for you or if it's too high for you in, in terms of the philosophical content I want to speak a little bit about uh well tonight I'll speak about kirtan there's much to be said so I say I want to speak a little bit about it but I want to speak a little bit of the history of our particular form of kirtan and the philosophy and theology that underlies it which also underlies much of um all real uh, ego facing if you will spiritual traditions mm-hmm. and that's an important term ego facing spiritual life can sound very beautiful but it's sometimes a hard pill to swallow when it's understood to involve the deconstruction of a false self that we might live a real life hmm? beyond the constructed mental self of well I'm American or Indian or black or white or even man or woman our reality transcends these these designations these passing phases of uh um experience that give us a limited perspective on the nature of being and and reality so we want to go to the core of what we are about kirtan is meant to take us there and um it's a very um uh, powerful and efficacious um method to the madness of spirituality if you will as it's looked at from a materialistic uh thought to be from a materialistic perspective 
um, very efficacious method in terms of, well, a, a traditional and uh, scriptural, let us say, perspective. You know, the sacred books of the East are considerable, and they date back a very long time, and uh, largely into the, to the Sanskrit language, which is a very sophisticated language, and, um, and they manifest those, those texts from very much the inner vision of the rishis of yore, and um, they determined universally throughout the, the Hindu um, sacred texts that this kirtan, this form of sacred uh, song, if you will, um, is most efficacious in the times in which we live. Hmm? The times in which we live, of course, are thought about a little differently in those texts than we tend to think about it in, in modern times with um, our uh, um, empirical, if you will, way of knowing, which is a method of knowing that should not be confused with knowing itself, hmm? uh, which it often is, unfortunately. That's a method of knowing, and it's a very, it has certain parameters that it's efficacious within. It can give us some practical insights about certain aspects of material nature examined under certain closed uh, circumstances or environment. Hmm? And they can be pragmatic and useful for us in, uh, in certain ways, but it cannot and never should be thought to uh, be a method for understanding the whole picture, the highest truth, the truth that is comprehensive, and by that I mean a truth by which we can become fully satisfied. After all, if empiric finding, hmm, uh, gathered through uh, appropriate methods and so forth, and put in the hands of technicians, generally provide us material comforts, which could be very uncomfortable hmm, from a spiritual perspective, burdensome, in as much as having really does kind of takes away the heart of being. It's thought that if we have, we will be. But from the sacred text, the spiritual perspective is having is a very vacuous sense, provides a, or affords a very vacuous sense of, of being. And that so the letting go and being what you are is a much more profound sense of being than that which is, which is tied to having. So there's being, there's having, to have, to be, or to love. That is a third idea. Hmm? Kirtan wants to take us in that direction. Being in a substantial self sense, I should say, and, and seeing through the vacuous sense of being based on having. Hmm? And then being for a purpose, and a purpose for loving. Hmm? Kirtan, after all, is kind of a love song, if you will. It's a wise type of love song, well-reasoned. And again, I'm trying to speak a little bit about the philosophical and theological underpinning of it. And so, as I say, historically speaking, and from the perspective of the sacred text, this is a time 
that uh, is thought to be a time that uh, that the uh, that kirtan is very efficacious. Um, uh, it's called kali yuga. Kali means quarrel, a time of quarrel and discord where people will quarrel over anything. The ancient Hindus they they looked at time not only as a, in a quantitative from a quantitative perspective but a qualitative perspective, and they evaluated in relation to the heavens and so forth, uh, times of um, that were more or less spiritually um, conducive, and then they came forth with methods for different times that would be most, most efficacious in those times. So this is from the scriptural Hindu perspective, the Kali Yuga. We cannot verify it empirically by archaeology and so on and so forth, but we're not that concerned with that type of examination of the natural world. We're interested in examining the natural world only as much and in a way that it affords us greater insight into how to pursue the subjective world, the inner world, the world of consciousness. The outer world, the objective world, we feel comes out of, is a shadow of, if you will. So the objective world and the objective third-person way of knowing <laughs> has no um, currency in terms of knowing and pursuing and, and, and the, pursuing the, the, the inner, if you will, subjective landscape. And by subjective landscape, I mean more than the world of the mind, hmm? In Vedanta, the mind is a very interesting subject. It's considered to be a subtle form of the objective world of matter, filled as it is, for the most part, with thoughts about the objective world. Hmm? So if our thoughts are only about the objective world, hmm, then the mind takes on a kind of a subtle but objective character. By that I mean a material, a physical character. Hmm? But the mind at the same time, in the Gita, it said, what is that nice verse? Um, forget the text, but the, the, the gist of it is that the mind is uh, the friend of the self and its enemy as well. It depends on how it's trained. So, of course, the spiritual discipline is about mastering the mind and the senses, or I should say, not being a slave to their dictates. Hmm? And being chased all the time <laughs> by the demands of the tongue and the, the the ears and and the tactile sense, which often take us in different directions at the same time, is very disconcerting. Takes us, it puts us off balance, and so forth. The mind's demands. It's what sort of tame that to harness that. And um, so, if the mind is trained, then and it can be filled with thoughts about that which transcends it, self proper, consciousness proper, the Atma, hmm? the I am. Not the I am American, or I am a North Carolinian, or a South Carolinian, or a Californian. Or, those are passing phases of, uh, as I said earlier, temporary experience, a certain limited perspective on life. But the I am that 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 we all sense we are, and we all sense we are more than what meets the mind and the senses. Hmm? 
and human life, this, this is what makes human life different from the less complex forms of life. This kind of sense that I'm more than the physicality hmm, of myself. Hmm. Of course, we look for it in the physical world to be that more. So we try to do more than what, for example, the animals do. We, you know, we, animals know their limitations. The, 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 bird, the beasts, uh, uh, if you will, in the animal kingdom, they don't try to fly in the sky. Hmm? Birds don't try to live at the bottom of the ocean. Hmm? They know their place. We don't know our place. Therefore, we try, to live, we try to fly to the top of the sky. We try to go to the bottom of the ocean. We feel we shouldn't be limited because the self is not limited and it's coming to the fore in human life. Hmm? And human life is for, is for inquiring about it and finding the freedom, if you will, that we are about constitutionally by not looking in the physical world for that hmm? and being a big animal only, a big beast, an intelligent beast, that would be very dangerous. Hmm? To use intelligence, in other words, just to pursue the demands of the senses and the mind, this is uh, not a good idea. Hmm? Intelligence should not make a holy kind of wedding, if you will, with the demands of the mind and senses, but should rule over them. Think that although it may feel good, it may not be good for me. Hmm? And I should live with some sense of restraint with regard to the, the demands, the animality of myself. Hmm? To the extent that I do that, I'm starting to live a human life and I'm moving in accordance with what the human life affords me, a chance to know what it means that I am, hmm. which is different again from I am American, I am a human even. Hmm. Hmm. And so this spiritual life, as we see it, is a, is a, is a very, uh, there are a number of different ones, but methods for plumbing the depths of the subjective world. And it begins with training the mind, harnessing the senses. The yoga means to link, to, 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 to kind of, to harness in a sense these these uh, tendencies of the of the body and mind that take us into the objective world and cause us to identify with it and all the problems that go with it things come and go there so if I'm identified with it looks like I'm I'm going to go too so I've got to get busy and struggle to survive jivo jivasya jivanam the Bhagavad, the sequel to the Gita, the Bhagavad Gita, makes a nice Darwinian statement. Hmm? One living being is food for another. Hmm? Of course, it speaks to something that Darwin didn't as well, but there's a survival of the kindest that can be arrived at. Hmm? That by going in a backwards way rather than by taking, hmm? trying to conquer hmm? the natural world, to step back from it, see it from a different perspective, and so forth. It is said that if you love someone, then they will tell you all their secrets. Hmm? If you try to just conquer material nature, she is very vast. <laughs> that will be difficult. Hmm? And we should not be intoxicated by the, by, the, by the tiny accomplishments of modern science, as useful as they are. And we live with them, and, and, and so we respect them, but <laughs> They're tiny at the same time. You know, now it's popular. Um, artificial intelligence is getting a little bit of a boost of, with, uh, you know, that movie Her. I don't know if you saw it, but I didn't see it, but I heard about it. 
where the guy falls in love with the lady on the, you know, in the, in the iPhone or something like that. And uh, there was another one called Transcendence. I saw it on a on a on a plane from Europe, where he a fellow died and uploaded his his consciousness, so to speak. And so these ideas of artificial intelligence have been around for a while, and they're getting a little bit more of a um, push as uh, uh, as we are surrounded by robots more and more. But it's said, and, and by a wiser person than myself, more adept in the field of artificial intelligence, that although we have made many advances in artificial intelligence, to put them in perspective, which the goal of artificial intelligence is to, is to prove that we are just robots ourselves. You have to realize that. Hmm? We could create exactly what you are because you are only are a combination of objective, physical hmm, neurons and, uh, and so on. In other words, consciousness is just an emergent property of the brain. Hmm? That means that feeling, experience, hmm, is thought by such persons to arise out of a non-experiential reality. They talk about sometimes, materialistic people, about uh, they don't want to think magically. Hmm? But this is very magical thinking. You think about it. Hmm? What's being said there is that there is no difference between anything in my brain, as sophisticated of a material arrangement it is, there's no difference in the elements that constitute the brain from the elements that a pool ball is constituted of. The exact same ingredients, hmm? arranged in a different way. Hmm? So if I was to say to you, it might be possible to arrange the pool ball in such a way that it would say, ouch, could you like use a little chalk on that stick? We would chuckle, because it seems that's very magical thinking. This is the thinking <laughs> of uh, physicalism, naturalism, hmm? that experiential reality will arise out of a non-experiential stuff just by arranging it in a different way. Hmm? You know how different experience is from non-experience? Does it make sense that experience will arise out of non-experience? That doesn't make any sense. Hmm? We don't think like that. Hmm? If I was to be asked, what is the most profound thing that I've experienced in life? I would say, the fact that I experience. That is, just to think about that is overwhelming. Hmm? The implications of it, hmm? with support from sacred texts and great traditions and so forth, and just common sense and logic, hmm? Hmm? the implication is that, that, that I'm a unit of being that, that transcends the limitations of time and space that all non-experiential stuff is confined to. Hmm? This idea is is reasonable. Hmm? This idea is intuitive in human society. Hmm? And there's nothing about it that contradicts any natural laws, nothing in, in science, the world of observation, that contradicts it. Hmm? People conjecture with various theories and so forth, but they are full of problems in terms of being 
conclusive. So, this is our interest to go to the to the um, to explore the depths. I want to say of the of the of the inner world, the consciousness world. We say it's the real world. Hmm? People say, "Well, it's just." in your mind. Well, it's not such a small thing, <laughs> the mind, especially if the mind is trained in yoga. Hmm? And it will be an instrument to a perception that is greatly enhanced. Hmm? And, um, and can bring us in touch in our estimation and the estimation of the sacred texts and great traditions of a much bigger um, picture hmm, of life much more rewarding, satisfying, fulfilling, perfect knowledge is the knowledge by which we can become perfectly happy and not at odds with one another hmm? at all. Hmm? This is a good idea. Everybody agrees with that would be a good idea. Uh, There are no real disciplines out there that are aimed exclusively at that, but real spiritual practice in any tradition is aimed at that. Hmm? So it's what everybody wants. Some people say, well, it's ideal, but of course you can't attain it, but then there are those traditions that are to say it can be attained, and just because it's rare to attain it, hmm, doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. Indeed, it is what the human life is about. It's a great challenge, and the, and, and the pursuit itself is very um, rewarding, hmm? properly understood. So, the the time hmm, in which we live, hmm, according to the sacred text, is one in which this kirtan is a very efficacious spiritual practice to harness the mind and the senses and free the, the self from its identification with matter and and, be, and beyond that to then the vehicle to explore the the depths of the consciousness world. What I mean here is that it's one thing to say that I am consciousness rather than matter. Hmm? That's a huge statement. Like I said, that I'm in a unit of experiential reality. That's like, it's very staggering if you think about that. Hmm? But that's just the beginning of the whole thing. Then if I was to now put something in place by which I could realize that. That's what really yoga is, spiritual practices. If I say theoretically, what I am is consciousness, not matter. It's kind of hard to talk about. Hmm? Why is it hard to talk about what consciousness is? Because, well, if it's not matter, then it's not this and it's not that. It's not like anything. We define things by comparing them to other things. But we're saying at the onset that consciousness is not a thing. So it doesn't compare to anything. That doesn't mean we should, well, what, what use do we have for it then? No. <laughs> that means, well, it's very extraordinary then. And I am it. I am of that. I am constituted of that. Hmm? So to say that, uh, that I'm different from matter, it means to say I'm not confined hmm, by time and space. It means I have no beginning. I have no end. And this is the reports that we get from the mystics across the different traditions. I experienced that I was eternal. Hmm? 
I'm a unit of being. Sat means that doesn't undergo the transformations that all material things do. They come into being, they endure for some time, and they diminish and dwindle and vanish. Here today and gone tonight, even. Hmm? Such is the nature of all things we seek to grab onto, hold on to, and have a being in relation to. This is problematic. Hmm? That self, that higher self, if you will, that we are, that I am, that I am, that we are. It's difficult to talk about. Again, how will you define it? It's been defined anyway in this way, by those experiences, that I experienced that I was eternal. And a kind of knowing I experienced that was comprehensive and a knowing that was comprehensive and at the same time by which I was humbled. I know everything and I'm humbled by that. What kind of knowing is that then? Hmm? What there is to know. It's not the knowing of, a, of conquering over. I know you now. I've understood this. I've mastered this. Hmm? But it's the knowing that it cannot be mastered. Hmm? Hmm? that I'm a a derived entity. I'm a unit of consciousness, and there's a source of consciousness. And I'm I'm distancing myself from the shadow of consciousness, the objective world, and coming in touch with myself and my source, and the relation of my source. Hmm? I'm finding, oh, that I know nothing. Hmm? You understand? I know nothing. But that means knowing everything. It is said in the Upanishads, those who say they know Brahman, they don't know Brahman. Those who say that they don't know Brahman, they know Brahman. Hmm? So there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a kind of a theistic agnosticism, kind of a comfort with, with unknowing, which is exciting. Love by nature has a kind of unknowing in it. What will be the next turn? Does he love me? You never say you do. Hmm? This kind of it's a kind of uh, there's a there's a uncertainty, a certain an uncertainty within certainty. I know that I am, but what it is about me, what is my prospect? It's so extraordinary that words don't do justice. Thought does not do justice to that. So the kind of knowing that at the same time does not make me proud and make my head fat. Hmm? but make my heart humble. Hmm? Though, though I have experienced that I am, hmm? and that I know, hmm? and that I have a purpose, which is to love. Satchit anandam. It means like being, knowing, loving. Hmm? I'm a unit of loving capacity. Hmm? And this kind of loving is wise love, hmm? based on the knowledge and the experience that I'm not matter, hmm? and therefore I matter. Do you understand me? The objective world derives its meaning from us, from the subjective world. We give meaning to matter. We arrange it in a certain way and call it a temple, a namaste center. 
Well, just <laughs> tile and carpet and so forth. But we, from the subjective world, posit a meaning. The meaning comes from us. We are a unit of meaning. And matter wouldn't matter if it weren't for the subjective world. We are members there. But somehow we become identified like in a virtual reality with the objective world and the things that go on there we think are happening to us. I'm dying. I need to protect myself. I need to take in order to be. There's competition. There's a limited number of resources and so forth. This is a struggle. And we hunt and we are hunted. This is what we call in, in, in Hinduism karma. You've taken and now you owe. So off to work you go. So to become free from that, the burden hmm, is to stop taking. Hmm. And so this kirtan is a form of like stop from taking. Hmm. Let, me, let, me, let me talk a little bit more directly about it. I said and I've been saying it's efficacious for our time according to the sacred texts which talk a different, in a different way about the world. Hmm? The ways in which I'm talking about it. The subjective world has meaning. The objective world derives its meaning from it and it's relative at that, for that matter. Hmm? There's absolute meaning. Hmm? A world of meaning. Hmm? And Kirtan is a, is, a, is, a, is a vehicle for exploring that world. And in this time in which we live, it's, it's thought to be very uh, efficacious. Let's talk for a minute about this idea uh, in relation to sound in general, because Kirtan is involved with sounds, obviously. It's interesting to note that while the Hindu texts speak about sound being the most efficacious uh, vehicle in, in honing sound, a certain type of sound, hmm, for realizing the kind of things we're talking about, hmm, which are huge ideas. Hmm. It's interesting because because in the secular world also, it's thought and becoming thought, or people are, are thinking along lines today, um, secular people um, who are also, also interested in knowing the nature of the world, that, for example, in, in string theory, you may be familiar with string theory in physics, it's a, it's a, it's a scientific conjecture, of course, but the idea is that the looking for the elementary parts hmm, that the big world is made out of. Hmm? You, want to, you want to understand the objective world by just separating the parts, breaking them down to smaller and smaller pieces, and saying this is what it's all about. Right? And of course, when they got there, hmm, as far as they've gone, then some people, at least, beneath the atom, inside whatever the cork, and uh, I'm not an expert at it, but they found that they are, there. this is a conjecture, string theory, that there, there are vibrations. Hmm? Basically, the idea is that the physical world, as we think of it, which is not what it's like, the physical world, we experience only a mental kind of reflection of it. Hmm? Something registers in the mind 
and we experience something and we project it's like this. There's these solid things out there. This is coming to be um, understood to be, well, a misperception. Hmm? The world is more like more like thought and potentialities, and it is hard bodies. I saw a a a, a graphic once, and I'll try to uh, uh, recall it. It comes in my mind for the moment. Was it was a football stadium, hmm? and um, uh, it was talking about the space between atoms. Anyway, something like that. There was like one atom and a whole football stadium next to the the other one or something. So it was to say that the world is mostly not hard things. At any rate, the physical world as we think about it is thought by, this is a contemporary theory, of course, to be at its bottom, at the, there are these strings and kind of poetically spoke about vibrating and the implication of sound. Hmm? The sound is the basis of the physical world. So, and we know there's power, power in sound um, in general. Hmm? Here, the theory is that the whole physical world is arising out of vibrations. Hmm? And, well, the ancient Rishis had an idea that the sounds, for example, that we chant in Kirtan, the mantras, like the Nam mantra of Hare Krishna and Ram that we chanted. This is one, Nam means name, mantra of names. Hmm? And um, it's a highly recommended one for Kirtan in the sacred text. And the idea of the mantra is something like this mantra is a sound formula that has a corresponding reality with it. Hmm? Um, just like I think that sound is most perfect if the sound we make the extent to which it corresponds with the object we describe, hmm? then that this the, the sound ha- is perfect. Hmm? The sound that corresponds, you make the sound and it really describes the object. Hmm? So it's thought that these mantras have a corresponding, I want to say like form, reality, a shape, but in the consciousness world. This is a different idea because sometimes we think of consciousness, well, there's the world of forms and then there's the formless. Hmm? But here what's talking about is the fact that consciousness itself is what gives form to this world. Hmm? Consciousness gives shape to matter. The reason that there are material forms, so to speak, of our experience like this building is because there's consciousness behind it, right? Hmm? So consciousness in relation to matter causes matter to take shape. Hmm? This is kind of the idea of of the that that the and this is a quantum idea that uh, observation hmm, is is uh, well a huge part of the, what the world is about. Hmm? The, the, the 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 that. Uh, you don't want to get too too far out there. The scientists will be upset with us for misrepresenting them. But but uh, observation <laughs> has a, a very prominent role. In, in other words, there are potentialities out there, and it requires an observer, a conscious 
entity to make choices between them, and that will de- those choices will determine the actual physical, if you will, event. Hmm? Um, so, so as much as consciousness, in, in effect, gives shape to the world, hmm? consciousness reflecting on itself rather than the objective world on itself can give rise to shapes, hmm? forms, and a world, a subjective world. Hmm? It's kind of like Platonic, if you will. Hmm? Plato's world of, of, of forms and, and their essence. Hmm? There's the world that these forms represent a kind of essence, a non-physical uh, world of where mathematical equations that describe things in the physical world have a presence. This is with Plato, you know, and you can, and it's interesting too to think because, you know, Plato is thought to be the founder and of, of modern Western philosophy. Uh, who was it? Um, Whitehead said that hmm, everything's a footnote after after Plato, and people could take that kind of. Not literally, but uh, really, philosophical thinking hmm, is so much tied to popular trends and so forth hmm, that really, logically speaking, philosophically speaking, you could be a Platonist today and have as viable of a philosophical outlook about the world as any other modern, postmodern thinking or, or, or whatnot. It's not that one is really necessarily. Uh, more profound than others, but if you follow the history of philosophy, it's much governed by popularity. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, to cite Plato, to give some some kind of we're Westerners, so maybe you're familiar with Western philosophy more than Eastern philosophy. But I'm making some connection here. The idea that, well, there are sounds, and those those strings, those vibrations can be rendered or translated into a mathematical formula. The implication of that is that the mathematical formula that represents the vibration hmm, corresponds then with the physical reality that the, that the vibration is, supports or it arises out of. Hmm? So similarly, these mantras are sounds that have forms that correspond with them. Hmm? But the forms are not physical forms in this case. They are spiritual forms and shapes. Like you've seen, for example, the artistic depiction of, well, Krishna, we chanted Hari and Krishna and Ram. So Krishna is the most famous of all the, the, the gods and goddesses of, uh, of Hinduism. He's the one with a capital G there. Um, and, uh, and he is said to be, the idea is the, the embodiment of being, knowing, and loving, kind of personified. Like, well, how do you personify being, knowing, and loving? I know it's very abstract, but mystics have personified him as such youthful being, hmm? eternal adolescent, hmm? and a kind of knowing that's 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 comprehensive and that it that it that it includes within it some unknowing as I was speaking about earlier. Hmm? 
Krishna is somewhat unknowing. If you study the theology, it's very interesting. Unknowing, what do I mean by that? Krishna is this shape of divinity that is human-like. It's a human-like form. The implication of that is that the, the infinite takes a finite like shape that there might be the possibility of intimacy intimacy between the finite and the infinite, ourselves being the finite, being a spark, if you will, the fire of consciousness. So for the two to have a union hmm, that doesn't cancel the other one out, like a union of love. In a union of love, there's you and I, and it becomes we. It's not that you disappear or I disappear. Hmm? This kind of a dynamic union, a union in love. So a union between our source and ourselves, for that to be intimate, the infinite has to take a finite-like appearance. Otherwise, we would think, I'm sitting next to the infinite. Oh, my God, do I ever feel finite? I need to say, whoa, I step back like this. Oh, my God. Hmm? So the idea of the form of Krishna is depicted by the mystics in art and literature and, and drama and song, which is just... A, a, there's no if you will, a figure of divinity that lends itself so much to expression um, and modes of expression that seek to go beyond the limitations of a language like math, which is a descriptive language that lends itself to thinking we can control. Hmm? Poetry, for example, is a more inclusive language that makes the world, well, it it speaks more to our feeling that the world is bigger than what it is. It's participatory language. Like in poetry, the moon can have wings and fly across the sky. Very nice poetic statement from the Bhagavad, one of the central Hindu texts. It says, with the rising and the setting of the sun, Ayurharati. Hmm? You've heard of Ayurved? Hmm? Ayur means life. Ved means like knowledge of life. It's a medical science. Ayurharati. Harati means to take away. With the rising and the setting of the sun, everyone's life is being taken away. Whoa. <laughs> uh, someone come and say, Swami, <laughs> the sun doesn't really fly across the sky like that. Hmm? Your text is wrong. It's old. It's dusty. Got to get updated. My reply is, no, no, you don't understand. It's saying you're dying. <laughs> that hasn't changed. It's saying it poetically. That's true. As the sun flies across the sky, rises and sets, oh, you're dying. Hmm? In terms of your sense of identity. Hmm? Hmm? This is an enduring truth, if you will. Granted, spoken about poetically. And it goes on to say, of course, But there's a way not to die. There's a way to end the dying. First of all, dying is a biological affair. Hmm? And as we've been discussing, we're not biological. You know, one of the biggest... Sci- there's a number of questions in science that they say, we've not answered yet. We've got to get our checklist out. 
There's a hundred of them or something like that. The top of the list is, what is the biological basis of consciousness? I have the answer. My answer is, wrong question. There's a bias. It's an unscientific approach to the issue. There's a bias built into the question. There's a preconceived notion hmm, that consciousness has a biological foundation. Who says that it does? That means that, again, consciousness is an emergent property of the brain. We are, we, that we, that private experience of I am. Hmm, There's just some neurons firing there. Hmm? And it's been arranged in such a way that the magic of a pool ball is saying, ouch, for example. Hmm? He said that, but there's a way to end this. And how is that? It means this performance of kirtan. To enter into the poetic descriptions, which is poetry, song, drama, art, tend to extend reality, don't they? Hmm? They extend the reality that we feel should be bigger than the physical limitations that I experience. So these are good languages or mediums to try to speak about the reality that we extend beyond the physical. Hmm? And we are a spark of that consciousness source. And so, Uttama Sloka Vaitaya, it means the speaking about... It, it, this is Uttama Sloka means this, a name for Krishna, actually. It means... Who is described by beautiful poetry? Uttam shloka. Shloka means like verse. Uttam. Very refined. So in India there's this, this, this kavya. Hmm? Like the Bhagavad is a text like this kavya. Hmm? It's, a, it's, it's a poetic language full of subtle, hidden meanings and so forth. Hmm? Very rich. And this is the language. Kirtan. For Krishna, for example, arises out of. Hmm? The text says this kind of song, hmm? poetry, as you will, uh, drama, art, literature, to be preoccupied with, with this subject, this will save you from death. Hmm? Hmm? Because this is talking about something that transcends. Biology. My point is, there's a there's a bias there. Who says that consciousness has a biological foundation? Hmm? We don't. Sacred texts don't. And yoga and spiritual practice is for experiencing that. If I say theoretically, I'm consciousness, not matter. Prove it. All right. I will prove it to you. How will I prove it? I will start like this. As far as it can be proved. How can you objectively prove a subjective truth? It's a wrong question to start with. Hmm? For example, you, we, I, I exist. That is a private statement. What it means to me, I exist. You have no access to that. Neither I have any access to you when you say I exist. I have some perception. I think she exists. I think he exists. But... Can I think that you exist the way you feel that you exist? It's entirely private and subjective. Hmm? That cannot be demonstrated objectively. 
You can't demonstrate that in the laboratory. So should you stop thinking that you exist? You understand, there's something, subjective truths are not the vacuous thing that sometimes modern science makes us, lead us to believe they are. Obviously there are su- subjective truths or experiences that are vacuous. God talked to me oh, and told me to blow up the trade center. World. <laughs> we think that, I'm not sure God was talking to you. We're pretty sure he didn't. Hmm? But when mystics hmm, who have undergone a discipline for demonstrating to themselves and obviously to others, arguably, arguably I say to others, that consciousness is different from matter. When they speak, we find, oh, there's some intersubjective correspondence in what they say, and what they say is, I am eternal, as I said earlier. I know, hmm? and I have compassion for all beings. Hmm? I have the experience of that I'm, my purpose is only to love. They all say this, from roomies to... Jesus's to Chaitanya's and uh, uh, and uh, in a smaller way even Thoreau's and Emerson's and so forth and, and so mysticism in different disciplines ego effacing mysticism this is a discipline by which we seek to demonstrate to ourselves hmm, this theory consciousness is different from matter it has no beginning it has no end and I'm constituted of that how do we begin well, we stop trying to have. We stop being preoccupied with having, which is what most people think constitutes being. The more I have, the more I am. Hmm? Rather, and we find there are people that can live considerably without. Hmm? And they're better off for it. So the more you go in that direction, you, think there's, you see there's some objective evidence. These people become nice. <laughs> they're not takers. They're lovers. Hmm? They, they have... Well, they've demonstrated practically, objectively, that, they, that there is a supernatural because they've done something supernatural. What have they done? They've transcended humanity. Humanity is full of, well, shortcomings, right? Hmm? Biases and greed and lust and avarice and and I'm Israeli or no, I'm Palestinian. Hmm? These are human passions, really. Identifications with the objective world that put us at odds with one another. Hmm? If someone is free from lust. I don't mean just in a sexual sense, but just the lust for things, to have something. Hmm? From greed, from avarice, from anger. They're superhuman. <laughs> They're not human anymore. Right? You say, well, that's like, what? Yeah. Sounds good. It's a great idea. We should move in that direction. But, as the Christians would say, some of them, oh, I had a guy call me over not, not so long ago in a public forum to a table and, where, and they were, they said, we have a survey, would you like to take a survey? I said, sure, okay, what well, is the survey? Said, we have one question to ask you. Have you ever sinned? So he expected everybody to say yes and therefore, therefore nobody, everybody's, Human, they all sin, so if one person that hasn't, then we should all take shelter of him, something like that's the idea. 
course, when I said, well, surely I have, but I think what that one person was talking about was to be like him, hmm? to follow his example. And to be Christian is to be Christ-like, which means to transcend the limitations of our humanity. These are not a lot of people in the world like this. But if there's one, hmm? the implication is there could be two, and that second one could be you, and that is the full utilization of what it, what human life, a uh, full opportunity that human life affords us. We can do this, as they say. I can do this. Hmm? This is the, this is the challenge, and what it is, is what everybody thinks is ideal, and teaches about to one extent. You teach your kids you shouldn't steal. You shouldn't let your sister have that. You know, there's an extra piece of pizza. Who's going to take it? You understand? It's a simple. Oh, you can have it. You can have it. Hmm? It means it's thought that by giving, there's more. You will be more. Hmm? Logically, the life does not proceed hmm? in any meaningful way. Hmm? By math, by logic, further, it would be thought by giving, you would have less. But our experience is by giving, we have more. Hmm? It's intangible, but so tangible. Hmm? The person may be naked hmm, and have more. I'm not wearing too much, but I'm not naked. But simple dress, but they may have more, maybe more full, more capable of giving. Hmm? So yoga, spiritual practice, as we understand it, is for this. And there are examples of persons hmm, who have demonstrated for all intents and purposes that they have transcended the limits of humanity. And while the biological vehicle that they're in will die, it will have no consequence to them. Because death is a problem only as much as we are attached to the things that we can't take with us, which means even my sense of, I'm American. <laughs> and it's going away. <laughs> and it's a problem. Hmm? The one who's, who has transcended that identification has nothing to fear. Hmm? There was some objectivity to the pursuit of the subjective world. Hmm? And as Kirtana Mecca help us to go in with deep within there, deep within that world. Hmm? So I'm saying that it's sound. Hmm? I'm talking about Kirtan. Sound is, as I've said, ooh, it has some secularly, from a secular point of view, we think it has some power. The whole physical world rests on these vibrations. It's coming out of that. The, this, this, this sacred text of India say the world it comes out of sound. From sound it comes. And there is a sound by which you can come out of it. Hmm? Also. That are the, the kind of sounds that we invoke in Kirtan. Hmm? Hmm? Also, very practically in our lives, we know that what sounds are the most powerful. In one sense, the sound of a name is most powerful. Hmm? It has attached to it another person. Therefore you say, you, you come home and your daughter says, Mommy, somebody called. Did you get his name? If you've got his name, you've got him. Hmm. So to speak. Right? Now, what's in a the name? There's so much in a the name. Hmm? Hmm? 
This is just a you know, superficial, secular sense. The name corresponds with a person. Hmm? We know persons by their names. Does anybody, everybody here knows President Obama. We don't know him really, or whomever. Some sports star or uh, movie star, whomever. We know them. We know them by their name. Hmm? Even by their first name. But we don't know them in person. But the name is a way of knowing at the same time. And if you chant it loud enough, the person might show up. Right? That's our experience. <laughs> Just call my name and I'll be there. <laughs> so, the, then if we go from a secular perspective to a religious perspective, and there are many great religious traditions. Um, and within each of those great religious traditions, there's a mystical side to it, which really tries to get to the heart of the tradition. And, and those mystics of the different traditions are not fighting with, another, with the others like the religious orientation that causes people to fight and think you've got to dress like this and you've got to only sing this song and not another one or else it's a problem and, and um, you won't get there and so forth. Um, in these various religious traditions, universally, I believe, it can be said that the, there is a acceptance that the divine logos has great spiritual power. In the Bible, for example, it says, in the beginning there was the word, and the word was one. It's kind of like what we're saying. Invoke the name of Jesus and whatever, you'll be saved and so forth. These things are there. You have it in the Buddhist tradition also, in that um, Pure Land Buddhism, for example. The invoking of the name of the Amitabha Buddha. In the Jewish tradition, they have the same idea. They say the name is so sacred that you don't you don't say it. Hmm? It's like you, you you can't say it. It's it's ineffable. It's beyond words. It's uh, in Islam they have ninety nine names. I think that they chant on some rosary and so forth. So there's a there's a connection. Hmm? We are universalist in a sense, and we would like to tie together all these traditions which we see to be speaking about the same thing relative to their culture and the particular teacher that they had and so forth. And I'm sure you all feel very non-sectarian in your spiritual approach as well. So this emphasis on name, this is our particular preoccupation, nam-dharma, a dharma of the name, is a one-way in that we can connect the different traditions. All of them speak about the idea in one extent or another that this invoking the name, a name of the absolute that corresponds with the absolute, describes it in some way, is efficacious, powerful, and uh, can afford us a profound experience. To break that down, I would say, in the beginning, it can begin to deconstruct the false egoic sense of self cleanse the consciousness and what I am and what my potential is can arise out of that and it's very extraordinary and very compelling and very positive and super uh, encouraging and so forth. Hmm? So religiously we find this hmm? and there was a time historically then in India when the particular type of chanting that we focus on 
particularly, we embrace all types of nam kirtan, but um, nam means name, um, divine name. But historically, there was a, uh, in about the 15th century in India, there was a very big kind of push for the idea in spiritual India that the common people, like ourselves, have access to divinity, hmm? which was rebelling against the idea that was prominent that in order to have a communion with the Godhead, you had to be born in a Brahmin family and then you had to take, uh, become a, a, a renunciate and then you would attain mukti and and then there were these priests in the Brahmin class and they had the, the monopoly on religion and you had to go to them and so forth. And, and so there was this distance created. In a few lives, you could get to a place where you could start to have that. People thought, well, yeah, I got a little closer, you know, closer to God than that, so forth. So there's, there was a big, um, in, in many, many sects, this uh, expression of like devotionalism and, uh, and uh, bhakti. Bhakti comes from the Sanskrit root bhaj. It means to, to give and take. It is giving and reciprocal dealings, really. Hmm? And this in relation to the absolute. So an idea of the absolute wherein there would be a union between ourselves and the absolute, but as I said earlier, a dynamic union that turns into a greater thing, not that cancels out each party. Hmm? But this idea of a, of a union that cancels out each party hmm? and it ends in an eternal quietude, if you will. Peace, peace, be shanti, shanti, shanti. Many of the revivalists invoked a kind of devotional idea centered on chanting in kirtan, but with the view that by chanting the name you would enter into this eternal quietude and peace. That there would be, there would be sounds, there are sounds that you could invoke that would drown out the sounds of this world. Give me, I want, hmm? something like that is basically what it's about whether it's birds chirping for the worm or it's us, whatever. We're talking to make our way in the world. So we're making sounds to, to, to acquire and, think, and thinking that we'll be more by such. So to cancel out those sounds hmm, and just become arrive at peace. Hmm. Those sounds are troublesome. Hmm. For the worm, the sound of the bird is troublesome. And the worm makes some kind of sound or does something... Uh, it's troublesome for someone else. As I said, one living being is food for another. So this is this is not really a, a concert. <laughs> it's a jungle of sounds. It's a little dangerous. So to silence the one sound that will silence them out. Hmm? And so there were a number of traditions that thought like this, that and they would invoke various names of the absolute that would cause us to arrive at a state of peace. Sounds good. Hmm? from a struggle to peace. But in our tradition, our idea is peace is good, but love is good too. You need both, peace and love. And there's a difference between the two. Hmm? You have to stop war. That's peace. Hmm? Then to have commerce, 
That's an exchange between the two countries, for example. That is a love, then. Peace means it's an interim stage. It's we stop the war. So if we could stop the struggle that our egoic self is involved in, that we're wrapped up in, oh, that would be a big relief. Oh. We could sit for a long time. Because why? We've been struggling for a long, long, long time. How long is that time? And the sacred text says, Anadi. There's no beginning to that time. Hmm? That's another thing. In Hindu philosophy, there are no beginnings. Hmm? Everything is. Hmm? Always has been. There are changes. Material things come and go, but the world of matter is always existing in some some phase. So, a big relief to end the struggle. So, there's chanting, kirtan, for this aim. But in our tradition, as I said, we've tied together these different ideas that the, 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 to find some unity, that the sacred logos, everyone's accepting that. So let us hone that. Let's look at this. And the figure who, from whom our form of kirtan comes, Sri Chaitanya, a very extraordinary person in, in Indian sacred history, appeared about 500 years ago. And this Krishna kirtan was always on his tongue. And the, the, uh, he is the, objectively speaking, the, the one person in human history that most personifies uh, ecstasy, spiritual ecstasy. The descriptions amongst many, many poets and literates, uh, literateurs of, of the time are very extraordinary. This is objective evidence of his ecstasy. I mean, he would take the name of Krishna in such a way that he would go into a trance repeatedly and, and tears would pour from his eyes in such a way that they would, they would be like a syringe bathing people around him. Hmm? I mean, this is like, sounds weird, but he might, it's pretty, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's a kind of weeping hmm? that, uh, out of joy, the, 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 the boundless joy that this, so it's, the, He's a, this is just one example, many examples, kind of shocking examples. Hmm? And verified cross-culturally, too. Um, I found a, a Christian theologian who wrote um, in his book, Journey to Gorakhpur, forgive me, I forget his name, he said he, I, he could not find anywhere in human history a person that most resembled, this is from his perspective, the love of God that Christ spoke about than the saint Sri Chaitanya, whose name of Krishna was always on his tongue, and he described the ecstasies and so forth. It's a very, very interesting uh, subject. Hmm? Ecstasy is a kind of an interesting idea, and I don't mean the drug, of course, uh, but it, it means, from the Latin era of the Greek, beyond the senses, which is what we're talking about, how to go beyond the senses, the mind, the sixth, of, even beyond the mind. Hmm? Um, to that ineffable realm, which, from our perspective, is not something you cannot speak about, but that you cannot say enough about. Words will never adequately describe it. Therefore, if we have a tongue, it should be busy for this. There's enough to talk about this forever, that you can, that you can turn off the news, hmm? for example. Hmm? The news about the objective, or, I mean, it's just, 
it's a big form of entertainment, but there's enough to talk about in interesting subjects. Hmm? Uh, and and that can that, that kind of talk, kirtan is a kind of talk, can can help us traverse the inner landscape and experience, then talk from experience, not just from theory that we may learn, but, but from experience. It will be compelling to others and it will also foster deeper experience on my own part. Like I speak with you, I learn something like that. I'm doing this for myself. <laughs> uh, that's in a spiritual way, so it means it's also in, it's a giving. If we are good to ourselves in a spiritual sense, it means to be good for others, right? Hmm? But Swami, what about the world? What will I do for the world? <laughs> You're part of the world. Do something for yourself, something really meaningful. Hmm? Change your life from material to spiritual. Hmm? And that change involves, is what I'm saying, not only coming from the world of war, if you will, where we're at odds with one another due to the demands of our mind and senses, which give us different readings of what's real and valuable and inevitably this is there's no love love will only a shadow of love can we arrive at as much as we and our sense of self is derived from or attached to the perception of the world hmm, derived from our senses that perception gives a picture in the mind of me hmm? my 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 eye is defined by my sense of my, my country. I am American. The problem with this, of course, is nothing is ours. So the I that derives from any sense of my is uh, as illusory as the sense is that you own something, that you can keep something, that it's yours. Hmm? But it's someone else's time tells us. Hmm? Isn't it? So to move beyond from that world to peace, that is a huge step. But what I'm saying is peace and love, both things are important. Hmm? So in what we are, the, the, the type of kirtan, so there are different types that we are doing. This is called nam shrestam. Nam shrestam matra swarupam tasya agrajata. Oh, it's a very nice idea. Nam hmm? It means that by this type of kirtan, not only you get peace, end the war, so to speak, hmm? but love. That means, I'm talking about here the world of struggle for existence, the Darwinian you know, partial picture that one living being is food for another. Hmm? And you struggle to exist. And, and so now to come out of that struggle, let's look at it like this. Here is zero. This is the zero point. What do we have below that? We have negative numbers. Minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four, minus five. Hmm? This world of minuses is the world of material experience, where we take and think that we have, and our being is more substantial as a result of that, but the fine print says, actually, you owe. Now, hmm? Whatever, if your life is based on taking, then you owe. That is karma. It's like you buy a house, you, you, know, you borrow $100,000 and it's great. And you read the fine print and after 30 years you're going to owe 300. You'll have paid $300,000. So 
the world of negative numbers. Hmm? We're taking, because we think we need to preserve the sense of self derived from the senses in the mind that we've identified with, rightfully so, because <laughs> it's not preservable, but we, we, we have a struggle for that. Hmm? So we become implicated in, in taking, and we owe. So this, this is a struggle, world of negative numbers. Now, many traditions tell us, and some, if we look at them, the ones I was talking about in India, by way of kirtan, by way of sound, which is our subject tonight, we could come to zero. Now, that zero, in relation to negative numbers, is positive, isn't it? Hmm? It's positive in relation to negative numbers. It's the peace, then, the end of war. But the profound question that Chaitanya asked, presented to us, and embodied the answer of, hmm, in his kirtan was, are there any positive numbers? Like, some people can't even think that far. I mean, to get beyond the struggle, that's enough, Swami. I'll take it right there. Can I end it today? This is the biological, psychological, and industrial world we live in. It. There's so many problems psychologically that arise. And, oh, it's tough. It's problematic. Hmm? Hmm? To end the struggle. But you see this idea to come to peace is a little short of a full spiritual idea in a sense. One person wants to take the world. Karma. To have it. The other person wants to get away from it. These are two sides, in one sense, of the same coin. Hmm? To, to exploit it, to renounce it, exploitation, renunciation, what is the third thing? Dedication, that's another thing. In the context of dedication, there is taking hmm, that actually constitutes giving. Hmm? That's very mysterious. Hmm? Hmm? Love, in other words. Love is, 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 is in which all contradictions are resolved. Hmm? Hmm? All things are possible. In love, faults become ornaments. Doesn't it? Hmm? So, ours is a school of bhakti, not of knowing there's knowing inside of love, hmm? but there's more than knowing. I can know that if I'm trying to find enduring life and happiness in relation to things that don't endure, I'm going the wrong direction. And I do want an enduring life that's happy hmm? and full. And I cannot have it by being preoccupied with things that are just appearances that are here today and gone tomorrow. That is wise. That is the Buddha's wisdom. Hmm? And if you invoke that kind of wisdom, well, you become peaceful, for sure. Hmm? But it's not so easy just to do that. Now, the best defense, it is said, is a good offense. Hmm? So our form of kirtan is something like that. Hmm? Let, us, let us form a loving relationship with our source. Hmm? As I said earlier, if you love someone, they'll tell you all the secrets. Hmm? And in the context of that, then the war will end very easily. Hmm? And we'll arrive not only at peace, but the love that can arise out of peace, the kind of commerce that can come after peace is arranged. 
Hmm? So, with regard to kirtan, therefore, and I'll close with this, there are different names, obviously, and different traditions and so forth, and they're all giving descriptions, if you will, they're sound representations of, let's say, our, our source. But many of them describe our source in relation to the world only. Like, let's say, creator, I don't know, say it in a different language or something, the almighty one, the all-powerful, hmm? um, the monarch, or whatever, very patriarchal, you know, one. So the question is this. Hmm? I said earlier, this world, the objective world, is not the real world. The subjective world is the real world. The meditative world is the real world. Hmm? Consciousness is the, is the basis of reality. Hmm? So names of God that describe the Godhead only in relation to some function in this world are names that describe something about the absolute in our source, but not the whole picture. Hmm? Like we have in Sanskrit, Paramatma, the world soul, presiding over the whole of, of matter. Hmm? But how much does matter matter? Anyway, as I said, hmm? it does... So, we're saying hmm, that there are other names hmm, that describe other things about the Absolute. And the names that we chanted earlier in our kirtan are names properly understood that talk about not the Godhead in relation to this world, like a, a mystic in our tradition some some decades back did a tour of Europe, and in Germany he was invited to invited to a theistic drama held by the by a Christian sect, and in the theistic drama, God had a role. He was in the balcony. The main stage was down below human society and things were going on and every now and then God came out and said, I bless you. I condemn you. He had kind of a, a minor role. In other words, he was just he was just in relation to helping us get things. Oh how boring to God. You're not a thing, madam. And you want things from me? Okay, you got to start somewhere. At least you're interested in me. Hmm? You want things? Okay, you can <laughs> perform this ritual. You can do like that. You can get a good son or a good daughter or a better job or whatever. You know. huh, that'll put God to sleep. Hmm? Hmm? Now, some people say, "I don't want things. I'm tired of things. Things are the problem." Okay, getting getting better. I'm not a thing. That's right. You're not a thing. That's good. Hmm? So I don't want things. Take things away from me. That's a little better, but it's still... Are you interested in me at all? First you wanted things from me. Now you want me to take things away from you. Okay. I can do that. Hmm? You don't stand by more, but... Anyway, they're not interested in me. Do I have a life? Hmm? What is that fire of consciousness that we are the spark? What goes on in the subjective world? Take the sun... As an example, hmm. 
We're down here. We think, oh, there's sun today. That's great. It's a sunny day. Nice. My mind is enlivened. My skin feels good. It's warm. The sun is providing for me. That's great. We're thinking of the sun all in relation to ourselves. It's something that serves us. But there's a whole world on the sun. There's nuclear explosions going on there. What's that all about? Hmm? And if it gets too big, well, we won't have an internet. Then what? The sun has a life of its own. Hmm? I'm just giving an, an, an example. So the God it has a life within the subjective world, deep within that world. A life. And what's that about? These, this chanting that we did is about that life. Names that correspond with that life. Hmm? And names that correspond with that life in such a way that they bring us in touch with the absolute in a sense of intimacy. Not like this. Om God. Like the Greek, uh, what is it? Yeah, Greek, I guess. Greek? Agape. A reverential kind of love of God, but a love and intimacy. A real union with the Godhead. And that the figure of Krishna that I described, if you look at the art and the drama and music through which he's depicted, is a very friendly person, very down to earth, very intimately associated with his devotees in a union in which the Godhead itself, the Godhead himself, and the person of Krishna, is overwhelmed by the love of the devotee. And there's a kind of unknowing in Krishna. This is, and I'll end with this point, I hope, because he's been very patient. I can get carried away. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. Sounds cool. Would you like to be omniscient? Know everything? Well, that would end my ignorance. Omnipresent? Well, makes vacations pretty cheap. Hmm? I'm already there. Hmm? But theologically speaking, to be omniscient and to be omnipresent, the idea of Krishna is, that's a problem. Because if I know everything and I'm everywhere, there's nowhere to go and there's nothing to do. I already know what's going to happen. Well, the impetus to do anything is, 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 is taken away. Hmm? Oh, uh-huh. what will I do? So, and I'm everywhere, so I can't move. People think it's great to be omniscient, but you can't move. There's nowhere to go. You're already there. <laughs> so omniscience and omnipresence are a problem. So how does the Godhead solve this problem? Well, what do you do when you're bored? Can you play? Hmm? So this depiction of Krishna is, means the Godhead is playing. That is called Leela. Leela, divine play. It's movement, like karma is movement, hmm? but it doesn't have the implications of karma because it's not a movement of taking, it's a movement of loving. Hmm? In between you have the peace, stop moving, shanti, shanti, shanti. Hmm? Leela and karma, they kind of look similar in a way, but then if you understand the theological and philosophical underpinnings of Leela, you go, oh, that's a different kind of movement. Hmm? If I learn it by moving, if I learn it, the reason I'm moving is because I have wants. And if I stop wanting, I won't have to move because I'll be full. That's good philosophy. Hmm? We move because we want, and it's vacuous. <laughs> the wanting, you'll come to zero, in my analogy of negative numbers, and feel positive, 
by not wanting, there's the teaching of the Buddha, hmm, some fullness there. Hmm? Hmm? But then, are there any positive numbers again? Hmm? Hmm? This is the idea of Leela. What is that kind of movement? There's a kind of movement that arises out of being full, and I mean really full. Hmm? If I feel full because I'm no longer running on empty, which is a problem, but I'm not running either. I'm sitting still. Hmm? Let's say someone's chasing you. Okay, that's a problem. Hmm? Now I get in and close the door, stop locking. No one's chasing me anymore. Uh, now I feel I'm at ease. But now after a while, is there anything to do in here? <laughs> Can I go out again? Hmm? Something like this idea. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there are spiritual disciplines, and we are involved in this, that are oriented towards this. Hmm? Arriving at a state of fullness that is such that it fosters a kind of movement that is not out of a lacking our material movement is, I feel empty, I need things, therefore I'm moving to get them. Hmm? That should be stopped, then you come to zero. But there's another kind of movement. I feel so full that i got to dance. I just, it's like I have to do it, not because I need it to be full, but to express my fullness. Hmm? This is called lila. Hmm? So these depictions, for example, of Krishna, Radha and Krishna, and you've seen them in art, this, this, this is what the mystics are trying to say, that there is movement within the subjective world that I am a unit of, a particle of. Hmm? And there are, there are songs from that place that try to talk about that. Hmm? Sounds and names and mantras from the, that describe that aspect of divinity. Hmm? And that by those sounds you can go there and find out something about the life of divinity itself, rather than, oh, you want things from me, okay. You want no me to take away things, because you realize they're a burden, okay. Hmm? We're interested in what God's about, so to speak. This, like the, what's going on on the sun, not just what the sun does for me today, but the bold idea, the audacious idea, let me go to the sun. I mean, it's cool <laughs> what it does for me. It warms me. That's cool. Uh, it nourishes me. I get water from it. It's mystical. From fire, I get water. What? Hmm? Isn't it? Hmm? And water is life. Is there water on the sun? I mean, what's going on? There? This kind of, I'm just using a material example, but this kind of thinking. One type of thinking is, what the sun can do for me. And then another, what I can do for the sun. <laughs> Something like that. This is very strange, but interesting. Hmm? Of course, to go to the sun, you have to become a unit of fire. Hmm? So to enter into the subjective world and all the prospects there, you have to, you have to take off your clothes. You have to leave your shoes out the door. Mm -hmm. and your whole identification with matter, that I'm American, I'm a man, I'm old, I'm young, I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a divorcee, I'm married. These are all just like passing things. 
All that has to be left at the door. Hmm? Hmm? Biological, psychological issues, there's a way to transcend them all. Hmm? We can try, within some extent, to make a good material situation for ourselves, physically and psychologically, and we should, but only as much as it will help us in our spiritual practice. That we can leave the whole world of problems behind. Not that we can, not that we could solve the problems of the world, but the world is a problem, and it's a perception, a per- certain perception. So to perceive it from a different perspective, hmm? and to enter into the consciousness world in all the possibilities there. This kind of kirtan. This is called nam shristam. This this is the, what we. pursue and in the beginning stage it it, it removes the baggage hmm, of wanting hmm? and proportionally as the baggage of wanting is is removed and peace comes love comes hmm, into the picture this possibility of of Leela and a world of play you see Krishna you've seen he's depicted of all the gods and goddesses in Hinduism they're all very interesting and they have their roles they have weapons and carriers and heads and arms and all. it's very interesting uh, to see what they all represent and so forth. But Krishna is only playing. That's all he does. That means he has nothing to do. If you want to play, then you have to have some power. You have to have some money in the bank. You have to have some something saved up. If you just play as kids, you tell the kids, you've got to get some power in the form of knowledge, by going to school. Because if you just play, it's going to be a problem. Hmm? So you've got to get some power. Then you can play a little bit. <laughs> the more power you get, the more you can play. If you get a big education, a bigger job, you can labor less and make more and play more. So it takes power to play, and the God then that is depicted by the mystics is only playing is all-powerful. This is the implication. And what is the power then? Power is a little bit like, ooh, kind of like, I don't know, but power of affection, power of attraction, the power of beauty, as beauty charms us. Hmm? This is the idea, an absolute, in a, depicted in a charming way, in a lovable way, with specificity, not broad and abstract, because we need some specificity for loving. Hmm? Hard to love the omniscient, omnipotent. Hmm? In relation to that feature of divinity, we can stop taking and realize that's not good and feel how small we are and and feel good about being small. But hmm? our idea is rather bold, as I say, uh, to enter the sun, hmm? to enter the subjective world, to realize I'm a unit of consciousness and by a certain vehicle, Provided from that side, but Ms. Chaitanya bringing that side, that possibility, hmm? and exemplifying it hmm? in this world in such a way that it has compelled a number of people. This was centuries, five, six centuries past, even in, in the Western world and modern society, to embrace these things and pursue them and teach about them. And so I very much honored by the opportunity to explain something about ourselves in our conception of kirtan. Anyone have any questions or comments? Any Anything you want to help me with? Share with me? Yes, sir.
you said that uh, the uh, material world comes from a sound and a sound can be used to leave the material world. Do you know that sound? Well, yes. It's it, the idea behind that. It's a statement from the Vedanta Sutra. It's the last statement. Hmm? It's speaking about anabhati shabda, the shabda, the sound. It's speaking about the idea that there are sounds that are revelatory, of revelation. The Upanishads, for example, this is the Eastern revelation, a great body of sacred texts that I was talking about. So these are all sounds. Sounds, the word Upanishad means Upanishad. It means sit close. The implication of that is, I'm going to whisper something in your ear. That's not the common common people are, are not going to be interested in The herd is not going to be interested in this. Hmm? Sit close, I'll tell you something. Hmm? You want to know how to live the best human life? I'm going to tell you this. You're not human. You're beyond humanity. Humanity is a vehicle to take you to, your, to, your, to yourself. Hmm? Humanity in conjunction with sadhu sangha, good, good company, with saintly persons who have realization and experience of what they're talking about. That can create a sanskar in us, in our chitta, hmm? a tendency without us knowing. Like I speak from my heart, I try to arrange it in logically and so forth because you're going to listen with your intelligence and filter it, let some things in and not let other things in. My task is to try to capture your intelligence so you let lighten up a little bit and I can go into your heart and share from my heart with my experience. Hmm? So, Upanishads, there are these kinds of sounds coming from that kind of heart. Hmm? In the broad sense of the answer to your question is that these sounds of revelation hmm, can, that the world comes out of it and they can end it. And then it is said also that among these sounds like Hambramasmi, Tattvamasi, Neti, Neti, very abstract sounds. Hmm? And they have some translation to them and so forth, but it, 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 they're difficult to really fully put in, 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 in words. Hmm? But they are to be kind of meditated upon. But it's said that these sounds of the Upanishads, Shrotam api Upanishadam di dure harikatam ritam. They are like valuable jewels that have light, effulgence. And they are all, and this is the answer to your question, they are all shedding light on one sound made of two syllables. Krishna, that's what it says. Hmm? Krishna, Krishna. Now to try to put that in English would be difficult, but uh, there, there are some grammatical uh, and etymological different ways of talking about it and so forth. But, the uh, best thing is to vibrate that sound <laughs> that you can have experience of the kind of thing that I'm trying to talk about and put into language and express logically and reasonably. Hmm? Does that help? Yeah. Anything else? You've been a very patient audience. I do appreciate that. And um, the opportunity to come here, and you're certainly welcome to come and visit us. As we, as Bhakti said in the beginning, we have a, a uh, project we are developing here, and 
in uh, nearby Rutherford County. It's a very beautiful property and and um, non-sectarian community. I mean, we have our own, you know, path, and we think it's best. And you should think that yours is best, otherwise you won't have the the, the, the wherewithal to follow it. <laughs> but uh, we make try to make the connecting points and so forth, and uh, we come together with like-minded uh, spiritual persons, form a good uh, sangha, and get strength from from numbers of uh, of one another. So, as you've invited me to your abode here, I invite you also to visit us. Of course, it's woods right now for us to be able to develop it. But thank you again very much. Om Shanti 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 Hare Krishna.